Hi, I'm Trent Maxwell. And I'm Lee. And we want to introduce you to our new Live, Learn, Survive podcast. Since 2018, Lee and I have traveled the globe and met face-to-face with over 13,000 children in four different countries, created a series of children's books, and sent them all over the world. Not traveling in this pandemic, we've created Maxi's Rescue Squad, a fun, safe place online where kids and young adults can learn life skills that not only save themselves, but help others too. Today, for the first time, we have a guest. So, Lee, tell us who we have today. So, Maxi, this is a bit exciting, our first guest. So, um, you, obviously, and we all know how important first responders are, um, never more so than in the world right now. So, one of the goals that we wrote down when we started the squad was to hopefully inspire the next wave of first responders. And we wanted to talk to people literally out in the community that are doing this job every day. So, Today, we are so lucky we're being joined by our really good mate from Scotland, Mr. Brian Finlay. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, morning. Brian. Hi, how are you? Great to have you with us. So Brian's a paramedic for the Scottish Ambulance Service and works as part of their National Risk and Resilience Department. Um, Brian's been a paramedic for 21 years. It's based in beautiful Edinburgh. We love Edinburgh and um, covers the east side of Scotland from Angus Dundee to the Scottish borders. So, Brian, it is so great to have you with us. So, it's evening for us. Good morning to you. And how is Bonnie Scotland this morning? Well, this morning we have a blue sky, which is very unusual. In fact, do you know what? We've been celebrating some great weather just now, um, which is very unusual for us because normally we're chucking it down with rain, even in the middle of our summer. Um, yeah, so, there you go. Yeah, we're experiencing some nice weather for a change, and it's been when, unprecedented. When, when does it start to change, uh, Brian? When does the weather start to change? Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, wait 20 minutes, is it? A bit like Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're um, just outside Edinburgh. We can have four seasons in one day. But, yeah, fingers crossed um, the weather forecast has not been – um, well, it's not doing as it said. It should have been having rain all this week, but it seems that we're doing all right. So let's that's, fingers crossed and keep that going for the next great. few weeks. I've been oh, lucky. Awesome. I've been lucky enough to uh, visit uh, Scotland twice in uh, my travels. Actually, three three times. Three times. Uh, once back in 2011. Uh, another time. Actually, no, it's only been twice. Sorry, uh, this is all off the cuff <laughs> stuff. Um, I've only been twice. Yeah, 2011 and 2018. But we so, did go to we did go to Edinburgh Castle, Maxi. Yes, we did, and I've been to Edinburgh Castle twice. Once for the military yes. tattoo, and once wow. uh, with Lee walking around to check the place out. Yeah, um, it's an amazing city. It's so much going on, and I was lucky enough to be there for the Fringe Festival as well. The comedy, Absolutely. all the comedians getting around doing their thing, and you know, it's it's a beautiful city. And you're right, there's 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 four seasons, but there's actually five seasons in Scotland, I, I thought. It's just always something going on there. Um, you know, people are great. And I, I look forward to coming back. Hopefully, me and Lee will be over there uh, next year or the year after when all this soon. pandemic stuff slows soon, down. Soon, soon, soon. So probably the first thing would uh, be good to say how we all met. So I think the first time we all met, I didn't actually meet you, Brian, was in the car no, park haven't. at Wor- that You were avoiding me. I was. It was in the car park at Worcester. And yeah. you um, saw Maxie and I was um, checking out the hotel or something. Well, actually, I, I saw you at, at breakfast because I know that you were doing some work for the Royal ICM site, which I, um, I'm part of. And I kind of recognised these faces across the other side of the room. 
I thought, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure that's <laughs> that's that that guy that's our new ambassador. But I thought, no, he's probably he's eating breakfast. Why would I introduce myself right. when he's having you're breakfast? Probably thinking, exactly. You're probably thinking, oh, he's got a rough head, that bloke. It can't be Maxi. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't want to see. I didn't want to see. But certainly, um, and it was just sort of, I went to a room and I had to check out as well. And then, yeah, Lee, I saw you in the car park and I thought, actually, there was somebody that really kind of wanted your autograph and your picture taken, one of our friends in Scotland. And I thought it would be really wrong if I didn't get an opportunity. And I'm, and I'm really sorry that I never met you, Lee. Yeah. I know, I know. But then we actually met. I went to meet you in Brisbane and collected you off the Queen Mary? Was Elizabeth. it the Queen? It was the Queen Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth. The Queen Elizabeth. So you were doing some work on the Queen Elizabeth. So um, was, yeah. was what, what were you doing cruising around, Brian? Absolutely. I was working with the Royal Life Saving Society delivering some basic life support training to the staff on board the Queen Elizabeth. Um, and yeah, it was just, it, everything sort of worked in its place because it wasn't going to happen and it was going to happen. And um, I think your kind of flights changed and your meeting with Maxi changed and it just worked out perfectly. And yeah, you, you picked me up and I had the best time because the Brisbane's are <laughs> Are the, are really nice people, Maxie? Yeah, they are, mate. They are. They are. They are nice people. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I said, you come down to Sydney, and uh, I, unfortunately, I was working that day, and I was at Glebe Fire Station, and uh, we wanted to see each other again for the second time. And um, uh, Lee and Andrew brought you around to the Glebe Fire Station, and uh, yeah. I was only there. We were only talking for five minutes until the bells went off, and I had a call. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully, the third. You're leaving with a good wave. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Third time you know, lucky. Third loads time of people lucky. have um, used that photograph that you, that you took, Brian. It was a great photograph. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was a short and sweet visit. It was a high and by. So well, um, so so hope, yeah. So through Royal Life Saving. Yeah, absolutely. The Royal Life Saving Society has brought us together, and um, and it's you know it's it's one of those things that the Royal Life Saving Society can bring many people together, and it just so happens that we you know kind of share a passion in the same interest not just with our kind of volunteering or my volunteering work but also with with your kind of career um and you know lee and i had a connection as well with the royal life saving Society mm. with lee's mum and yes. i had a you know and lee when i was met her showed me lots of um things for the royal life saving Society, which i took lots of pictures of and shared many pictures um as well of those experiences and um, so we've got a lot of great things in common and um, it's great yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good. Um, we've been very fortunate to work with the RLSS UK uh, a couple of times now. Um, a few of our trips that we've done to the UK, they've looked after us and uh, got us cars and got us accommodation, and we managed to go around England, Scotland, Wales, uh, and do you know water safety talks, lifeguard talks, and do um, you know stuff with RLSS. So it's been sure. they've been a really big supporter uh, for Live Learn Survive. So. Uh, Brian, if you man- uh, manage to see anyone high up, tell them thank you for the opportunities and we look forward to working with them in the future. Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's been disappointing that you haven't been able to make it out last year. And I think most people were all looking forward to it. And um, yeah, and we look, to f- look forward to seeing you whenever the time is right. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I can't we'll, wait to we'll get be back. back. We'll be back soon. So, um, so yeah. So, um, Maxie, you've got first question for Brian. Yes, I've got a couple of questions for you, Brian. Don't worry, mate. It's not a uh, millionaire hot seat. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire? So just bear with us. So question one, when did you realize you wanted to become a paramedic? Well, there's the thing. Um, it, it, it's by chance. I had joined the local life-saving club um, 
and and never really thought anything of you know emergency services. I wanted to do something else in my career. First of all, I think I wanted to be a chef. I think it was, and then wanted to go into social work. However, um, having learned some skills, um, I so happened to be going past the Edinburgh Royal Infirmary, which is the old one, because um, I was going off for an operation, and I seen these ambulances going back and forward. And at that point, there I must have been about fourteen. I thought, ah, I know what they're doing. I've just I've just uh, learned some skills. I could do that, you know, as you do when you're young, thinking you could do everything. And I think it kind of stuck in the back of the mind. And it's not until a lot longer, and a lot, when I was a lot older, I decided to join. But certainly it was something that was back in the mind that I, I thought I could have given it a go. And I think the lifesaving kind of helped secure that because I was still sort of interested in other things, but um, it was it was sitting there seeded. Yeah, that, that, that's, 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 that's cool. Um, you know, from 14... What- and it's what you say as well, Maxie. It's like so so often, like life got in, and some of those skills take you into another um, career path that you oh, don't definitely. expect at the time. Definitely, definitely. Well, ever since I was two years old, I always wanted to be a firefighter. So I knew that all the way up through my early childhood into my early teens. But I was lucky enough to uh, be a part of the surf club at the age of ten and made my ranks, uh, made my fr- way through the ranks uh, as a nipper. And uh, when I got the opportunity to become a Bonner lifeguard. I knew leading up to when, as soon as I turned 18, I was going to apply for the local or fire and rescue New South Wales. And yeah. Um, so like, Ma- so like Maxie, um, as a kid, uh, Brian, he had like a family relative that was a uh, fiery. Was there anybody that you looked up to as a kid that was a paramedic or anyone in your family? No, it's one of those things I kind of thought and asked parents and grandparents, is there anybody else that's sort of medical world? And I'm the only one. What's that all about? So um <laughs> But the Royal Lifesaving Society and the Lifesaving Club changed that because I wanted to be a chef and then I wanted to go into social work. And my mum was into childcare and looking after all kids and stuff like that. And I think that's probably where um, I thought I probably should have went. Um, but however, just as you say, um, things change just by chance. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. What a great paramedic you are, mate. Oh, well, thank um, you. Yeah, so Lee, you pretty much covered uh, question two there. Um, yep. But just to reinstate that, uh, did you want to ask a question two? No, that, well, that's what it. I sort yep. of twisted it a bit, Maxi. Yeah, perfect. I put a twist on it, so you can go on to the next one there. Number three, did you get good career advice at school? It's one of those things at school. We had to. Um, it was a, a kind of subject. I can't remember what it was called, but everybody had to do it, and you had to fill in this. It was like a computer matrix thing that you had to kind of put in your skills, what you were interested in. And this system would pull out, this is this is how kind of bizarre it was. It would pull out like a top 10 of your um, careers that you should be from, which was interesting. A chef was one of them and a florist, which was weird. <laughs> and you would always kind of, you know, go into the kind of um, the school playground and whatnot and, you know, speak to your mates and go, what did you get? What did you get? So there was nothing really kind of in there about medical stuff. But the chef was kind of up there, a bit florist and a dog walker and um, a fireman was down there as well. So um, it, was, awesome. I think it was just uh, a kind of basic tool. Um, but the career advice kind of got better as you went on. And when I got into my kind of last year of high school, there was an opportunity so that you could do work experience. And it was interesting where I actually applied to the Scottish Ambulance Service to do work experience. But at that wow. time, um, the, and that was when I just had it in my head. However, their um, headquarters was about to move and they said, no, we, we can't take anybody at this moment. Would you like to come through the summer holidays? And I'm like, a teenager, I ain't going anywhere in the summer holidays. <laughs> 
didn't. And, and, <laughs> and I hope my one of my teachers doesn't hear this, but I pretended that I went anyway. So we kind of skived on a Wednesday afternoon um, and my friend had a farm and we used to go out quad biking. And But he had to go back into the school to check in. And my guidance teacher was saying, oh, Brian, how did you get on with the ambulance service? And my head to toe, I was covered in muck after playing in, you know. Um, and, <laughs> and, and I was like, oh. And I said to the teacher, you never know. You know, just, you know, today I went out in an ambulance and it took us through this field of dirt and it was terrible. And it was, you know, these accidents. And she was all like, and this is a complete lie. And yeah. she said, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> you should write this all up. So I wrote it all up and still got an SVQ module in Lions. That's, which is that's, a, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, yeah. that's, uh, you pulled it off. Absolutely. Yeah. But so I suppose I had to join the ambulance service at some point just to kind of make that teacher and say, I have actually joined the ambulance service. <laughs> that's, that's like you. Really, so if she hears this, that's it. That's, that's like it. you reading the back page of the book, Maxie, and writing your story in English. You've said exactly that story right. before. It's like you got to do what you got to do. You got to read the <laughs> yeah the classic. You got to read the novel for your English exam, and then uh, the old life hack oh, that yeah. I used to do is I used to just read the synopsis synopsis at the back of the book and just uh, make my own story up. <laughs> <laughs> or, or go to the movies and watch the film and say I read it all. I knew exactly yeah. what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, you two, this is just like, uh, you know, we're supposed to be setting an example here. <laughs> never do that. Never do that, kids. Never cheat. Never do that. Never do yeah. that. So so you decided, what did, What was the first step that you took then, Brian, into like thinking you're going to be a paramedic, you started to make this career? What was the first thing that you started to do? So um, I met somebody, I kind of joined, I think I then decided that um, being a chef wasn't great because I got a job in a hotel and I thought, this is not what I want to do. So I needed to kind of um, brush up in my um, maths and English because you have to do an entry test. So where I worked sort of part-time, I worked with um, deprived children of Edinburgh and one of the my co-workers was a school teacher. So I said, you need to kind of brush me up in the basic arithmetic stuff because I was quite good at math, but I wasn't very good at the arithmetic because you had to do all that test. So I kind of, kind of worked on that and I think it's important that we kind of keep those basic skills because as a paramedic, you need them. Um, and then I joined the local Red Cross because it gave me experience to go out to events. So the Red Cross, um, the, the group that I joined, kind of did events so that you could meet paramedics at those events and you kind of speak to them. And and I spoke to a great guy called Neil Proven, who was in the ambulance service, who was a trainer and is also a trainer for the Red Cross. And he kind of kept me going and saying, this is when it is, this is when you should apply. And, and he said, you know, there's thousands of people that apply and you might not get there first time. And he was right. I didn't get there first time. Um, and it was the second time I joined. But as, in the ambulance service, when I joined the ambulance service in Scotland, you had to start right at the basic level of what we call patient transport. And then from patient transport, you had to then you move on in your career to your technician, then paramedic. So, yeah, um, yeah it was a long awesome. time, but... Yeah, that's that's cool. It's uh, similar uh, for me for the fire brigade. Uh, it took me six times, so you're lucky that you got in the second time. But yeah, six whole years it took me to get the the nod to uh, to become a fully fledged firefighter. But uh, yeah, thank you, thank you for that. So the next question is, where did you train slash study for the career? Um, so in the ambulance service. Um, it's all changed now. However, at the time when you join as a patient transport, you do a continuous learning um, um, performer and you kind of get a mentor and they take you through some of the basic levels from being a, an ambulance patient care um, personnel to um, an ambulance technician. 
And then you go through kind of a a programme with them and then you apply to become a tech technician. I think like you, Max, it took me six attempts actually to get on the actual emergency technician side of things. So, um, and from there you join, at that time you joined the um, ambulance service. um, It was like, I suppose it's like an academy and their college, it was a hotel that they kind of booked out and it was basically all ambulance service throughout the UK that would come in and do their, their IHCD course um, and that was kind of a, a, a 14-week training programme. And then you had a year of probation out in the road, which was continuous assessments. And after your year of um, continuous assessments, and you had to pass your entry exam into being a paramedic. And then you just had to apply to be a paramedic. And when you applied to be a paramedic, you went back to the college and trained for another eight weeks. And then you went into in-hospital training. And then you went through different departments in the hospital. And that was then, again, another probation period. And you had to sit further exams then before you kind of got signed off. So it's a lot of work. However, it's, it's all changed now. It's all university-based, um, and it's the same kind of system, but it's it's kind of done more academically um, yeah. than right. I did it. But it's it's similar, but there's a lot more kind of academic work. I, f- um, I think it's people. very similar with uh, New South Wales Ambulance as well, uh, the way that you describe that. But, you know, uh, the young adults uh, that are listening to this, you know, don't be disheartened. You're probably thinking there's a lot of, there's a lot of information there of, um, you know, the first steps of becoming a paramedic, but, you know, it's all well worth it. And uh, yeah, as we yeah. all know, how quick time flies. And you're looking back now, where you are now, Brian, it probably feels like it was yesterday doing all that sort of stuff. So, Yeah, and I think for the young people now, it's making sure just now, because obviously they're looking at, you know, school entry um, or school mm-hmm. kind of when you leave school to make sure you have the right qualifications. And it's important to stick in now to have those kind of, in, I suppose in Scotland, the hires or the necessary qualifications, the A-levels that you would need to get into the university. And once you get into university, it's like being part of a university course. And then after that, within Scotland, then, you know, if a job comes up, you apply with your qualifications. So, and, and with that qualification, actually, it's, it's, it's probably much better than just joining your local ambulance service. You could be a paramedic anywhere around, you know, the UK, whether that's mm. private, whether that's going around the world. So in actual fact, it's much more um, opportunities. Opportunities, yeah. Qualification. So n- never be disheartened and, and just go for it. Um, yeah. You know, with that degree qualification that you would get, it, it, it opens up many doors, even more doors than probably did in the past. Yeah. 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 And I think that's the thing as well is it's like, you know, not just opportunities in your own town or whatever, you know, it's like if you want to go and work overseas for a a year or two years or five years, you know, the skills that you can just like take take with mm. you anywhere and, um, you know, like I say, opens up opportunities. I think it's one of those things that you can have the qualification, but I think it's important, I think, when you are competing against others that have the same qualification, because there's going to be many people leaving university with the same qualification, what what makes you stand out more than anybody else? What do you do in your your voluntary time? What do you help out? Whether mm. it's the Royal Life Saving Site, whether you're doing a volunteer lifeguard post, whether you're out, you know, doing stuff with your local kind of first aid organisation, because it's about kind of meeting people. There's many people that have a very good academic career, but when mm. it comes to actually, as you know, Max, speaking to people who are in distress, you know, you've got to have that kind of level to be able to speak to somebody and, you know, speak at their level and you know and, and that can be difficult for many students that yeah. are just left Add, yeah. adding on to that their life experience is definitely in customer service and being around uh, a team environment um, that definitely helps you become a great paramedic a great firefighter police Absolutely. officer anything to do uh, emergency service within the community having that volunteer work um, doing the extra extra things on the side to make you stand out to 
whoever's applying for that job. So yeah, that, that's great advice there. So with your um, job like now nowadays, what is your, I mean, I know we're in the pandemic and it's a little bit different at the moment, but what, what is your, what is your role now, Brian? What day to day do you do now? So I've moved from being a paramedic in delivery of community training. So I go out and do delivery of CPR, um, AED awareness to communities up and around um, Scotland. Um, and I manage a whole host of volunteers who would have responded on behalf of the ambulance service on a volunteer basis. However, with the pandemic, that all came to a stop. And yeah. we're starting to build that back up because things are starting to open up again. However, in that time, I'm still doing a little bit more of, um, you know, I had to go back on the front line, as many staff did. Um, and that was quite a scary business, not really knowing what was happening. So that was a bit of a, you know, sharpen up the tools, get back on an ambulance um, <laughs> with this extra PPE, um, seeing patients again and probably the worst time um, as well as the pandemic going on, that was quite scary for staff. However, you know, as things have moved on, we are going into vaccinations. So I moved on to doing um, the vaccinations of our colleagues. So from the east side of Scotland, you know, I started to vaccinate. And now all our team, um, probably all of the ambulance service who wanted to be vaccinated have been vaccinated with um, a double vaccination. We're now moving on to this um, a mobile um, clinic where we're helping our NHS boards um, where we're going out and to communities on a bus and sticking our bus out there and hoping and, and encouraging all the young people to be vaccinated. So, yeah, yeah so um, next week I'm doing a couple of shifts on the bus, vaccinating um, and supporting staff there as well. So it's, it's, it's actually quite an interesting part because as a paramedic, you quite often only see people who are in distress, but there's people coming across um, now looking to be vaccinated and have a great chat with them who are normally well. So patients that are well, it's, it's strange. Um, but it's one of those things that gives an opportunity to say, you, were, you know, what did you do part of the pandemic and you kind of got st- stuck in there? And that's where the ambulance yeah. service gives you these opportunities to do different things. Yeah, and I, uh, I've i got to say, uh, Brian, throughout this pandemic, I've seen you twice with Prince William and Catherine. So what's that all about? It's like, ser- like, you know, kids popping up like, there he is again. He's with Prince William. <laughs> what are you doing with Prince William? Were you his security or something? Well, some people would think that. I think that's now probably, yeah, two or three times that I've, I've been um, able to do that. I think with the work that we've been doing with the volunteers, I was um, lucky enough to um, meet um, He came out to our work um, just to visit all those that I worked with in NHS. Um, and then for whatever reason, there was, um, in the ambulance service, they have this kind of, if you do really well, you have this thing called a Gratex. So normally there's a, um, when things go wrong, you, you kind of fill in a day text, but there were, you know, some staff created this great text where you can actually kind of, you know, say to your colleagues, you did really well and you've done this. And apparently I got the most great text in that period of time. So I was selected to go to um, the Palace of Holyrood in Scotland and watch um, a movie with um, Prince William and his wife, um, like a driving, which was another kind of um, interesting moment. Um, but it, was, cool. it, it was good. Yeah, it was well, good. Well, yeah. We are very privileged that you're with us, Brian. I mean, like, what can we say? We're in we're in good company, Maxie. We're in good company. So, um, royal uh, royal company. Yeah, by royal appointment, <laughs> Mr. Brian. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, so Maxie, you fire away. Next one. Yep. So, best piece of advice you've been given. Um, Sticking, don't let because you you quite often as you know, Max, you get disappointed, you get knocked off your perch a few times, and it can kick you right where it hurts sometimes, and it kind of can make you kind of change your mind. 
But when I was told by um, a colleague, Neil Proven, who was kind of like a mentor to me throughout the ambulance service, he says, listen, just stick in. Your time will come. You know, you just need to improve here. Don't let everything and listen to yourself and think of yourself. Don't worry about anybody else. Because I'm one of these people that will always try and push somebody else first. But he says, if you do that, you'll be left behind. Think of yourself and, and you'll move forward. And when you do that and focus, then you'll well, get what you want. Yeah, it's um, the you principle. Look after yourself, the others, and then the unfortunate. So as selfish and uh, whatever people want to say, you know, how can you not look after others? But if how can you look after anyone else if you can't look after yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so moving on question seven, what's the most stressful part of the journey so far? Um, yeah, the assessment. The assessment. <laughs> Don't, you know, it's, it's difficult when you, you're in a, in, in like yourself and, and people always talk about what's the most horrible job you've been through and, and you, you deal with that at the time. However, it's, you know, the stressful parts is, you know, going through that reassessment again because that's your career. If you don't get if you don't get past those assessments and those reassessments and especially when you start getting older, um, you kind of, you're on the chopping block. The same. Yeah, absolutely. And there's all these young whippersnappers that come up behind you and it's great to see that. I've got to say, I'm one of those people now that, you know, we'll see that because probably I was one of them at one point and nipping at some other paramedics heels and they're like, you know, it's down boy. But now I'm yeah. kind of, you can see these young people kind of coming forward. But yeah, it's those reassessments and um, that, that get me kind of there. But sometimes jobs get you as well. So it's, you, you just got to kind of deal with them at the time. Yeah, that was going to be the uh, next thing that I was going to um, ask, Brian. The same thing that, uh, you know, often Maxi gets asked, like, you know, you see some pretty traumatic um, things and Max will say you're seeing people on often their worst day so um how do you deal with that Maxie likes to go for a run um what how do you deal with the um day-to-day stress of it I think having somebody you know um being in a team helps because you can talk about it with your colleagues and that you know you've got to get it off your chest doesn't matter what anybody says getting off your chest is is one of those things. But I think, you know, I agree with Maxie, just no, um, not as extentful as you going out and surfing, but, you know, just going to the gym, just going to the class. Yeah. Um, and, and exercise um, does help a little bit. You know, it does take that, that pressure off. And, you know, I started taking up like kind of, I wouldn't say boxing, I would say kind of boxer size. And I have a, a PT, Grant, who he knows when I've had a bit of a, a bad day and and he holds the pads in front of him and says what happened there and I was like what do you mean he says you were smacking harder than you would never I says oh I had a bad day and I was like "Mm, probably and when you actually finish it it makes you feel a lot better but probably speaking to somebody and I think that's an important thing and and never kind of worry about feeling bad or feeling um, unwell because it's okay to not feel good yeah. And, and knowing that is, is important. You have your ups and downs. You have your ups Absolutely. and downs, definitely. You've got to have them. You've got to have them. Otherwise, it will just destroy your mind, really. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, so the best career decision so far? Um, you know, so when I was a paramedic, I um, loved it, and it's great to do the frontline stuff, and I can do that at any point. But the job that I'm doing now, there was an opportunity that came up um, with our as a charity called the British Heart Foundation, um, who um, pump primed a post within the Scottish Ambulance Service to work within the community to train up volunteers. To um, this was, you know, 15 years ago. So I decided that you know maybe I could go into the sort of medical side of things, or do I want to go into education? And I suppose through life saving, I was educating on a voluntary basis. But this was giving an opportunity to work in the communities again that 
that I like. And, you know, I wanted to do social work. So going into communities in hard and deprived areas, going and giving them skills. So for me, that opportunity came up within the ambulance service to go out into community training um, and doing CPR training. So that's what I do now and I continue to do it. Um, oh, that's great, mate. That's great. It's great that, um, you know, you get to do your social work like you're always destined to do and it's amazing to see. Yeah, yeah, incredible. And, I mean, to be able to teach those skills so that, you know, this is, you know, one of the things that we've done with the rescue squad was like, you know, just we sent kids out and said next time you're in a shopping centre, look and just see if there's a defibrillator or, Absolutely. you know, just pe- people walk past things and would not even be aware of it. No, definitely. People will say, you know, how many lives have you saved? And it's it's not so much about it's how many other people can you train that will save somebody else. You yes. know, you yeah. just don't know when it's going to happen. The hundreds of people, yeah. you guys, and the thousands of people around the world that you guys are educating, one day somebody will come across that, and it was down to you guys delivering a simple skill that can save a life. And mm. that's how yeah. I see it. You know, it doesn't matter what it is, from whatever age group, somebody will learn something, whether it's now or when they're yeah. adults. You can always yeah. pat yourself on the back and say, Do you know what, you did that. Um, yeah. And what you're doing is exactly what should happen. There's, there's not enough of it. And, yeah. you know, for I th- me, I think- there's more. I think yeah, the beauty of it is is with the rescue squad, um, you've seen a lot of stuff that we've done, Brian, over the last six months. But I think the beauty of it is that I'm lucky that I've got the lifeguarding and the, the first aid kind of background with with that and then obviously as a firefighter, the fire element and then the health and well-being of me trying to stay um, headstrong, mental, mental health strong and uh, physically strong as well. Um, you know, in, incorporating all that within the squad where people from all over the world can learn different skills and, and different things um, for the four different themes that we, we kind of cater for. Yeah, absolutely. And, and your skills, you know, in, in around the UK, when people from the UK watch your skills, there's, you know, and it's, it's been really sad because we've had, you know, we've had fantastic weather. You, you, you know, you can't believe how nice it's been. However, that comes with its consequence of people, you know, taking risks and we've had yeah. our highest kind of drowning in a 12-week period within the UK. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that in itself, you know, is, is sad. And, you know, more and more of what you guys are doing and what the Royal Life Savings Act UK are doing is exactly what's needed. And, you know, it might not happen this year, but hopefully with the sad yeah. news and then coming on. And sometimes that's, you know, pushes people to kind of, actually, I need to do something. And quite often yeah. um, things that go wrong will push somebody to go and learn a skill because something's affected somebody's family or friend. And they'll yeah. go and learn some new skills. And as you say, Lee, you know, and, and Maxie, that it's some, some simple skills can save a life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, it, and it's like, um, you know, the, one of the things, one of the stats that we um, heard from Rural, Rural Life Saving over here, um, Brian, is that only 9% of children know a rescue skill and only 4% would know how to use it. Yeah, that's that's the statistic that has to be changed. So that was one of the the drivers for even starting the rescue squad. So, um, you know, because hasn't this time shown that first responders are the real people that have have um, you know been most important in the world in the last eighteen months? You know, as much as you know, the rock stars and the film stars and everyone might entertain us, but it's the first responders that have kept us alive. And, and we sit there and look at those those people that have sadly lost their life through drowning or anything else, but look at the probably the many lives that have been saved because somebody's actually either warned them against something or actually done you know an indirect rescue or even rescued, but we don't hear about those. And that yes. could be directly because of education. And you know, it's hard to capture those figures, but 
it's certainly something that we've got to be proud of, that we've got to keep going and keep going um, and, and try and do our best to try and educate as many people as we can. Absolutely. Oh, definitely, definitely, Brian. Absolutely. So, Maxi, you go. Yep. So, uh, next career goal. Next career goal you've got, mate. You've you achieved so much, Brian. Where do you go from I'm here? Have you seen how old I am? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm kind of looking for a bit of a, a change just now because obviously with the pandemic, it's opened my eyes to other things with an ambulance service. So, at the moment, actually, fingers crossed, I've applied for a couple of other jobs um, just as a comment, just to kind of. My boss doesn't even know that yet. So if he hears this, he will ask. Well, no, one, no one's listening. No one's listening. <laughs> listening. Um, so hoping that maybe I'll have a kind of breakaway because sometimes you need to get a breakaway from what you're doing. Um, because of the pandemic, I haven't been able to do what um, I should be doing. Um, so going out and doing kind of other things in that time has given me an opportunity to see something else. But, you know, I think my biggest career move is what I've done now. So that was a way back then. Um, there could be so other many moves, but just when you get to my age, you kind of um, want to just kind of slow down a little bit um, and still do some kind of education to others. And I think for me, that gives me the pleasure. And I suppose the work that I've got just now gives me a lot of flexibility to be able to do other things that I do like doing. So, yeah. Yeah, so I probably got to that stage where if you asked me this 20 years ago, I'd be like, oh, I want to do this. And like some of my colleagues went off to be doctors and stuff like that. But um, yeah, as long as you're happy with uh, what you're doing, mate, and uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, you get those comments that you're aiming for. Yeah, uh, exactly. So we've got three questions left. Um, I'll do this question then, Lee, and then I'll finish off with uh, the 13th question. But next one is, if you weren't a paramedic, what would you be? So, would it have been a chef or would it have been in um, community education? I would love to have been a chef because, you know, it's interesting when you watch all these programmes now like MasterChef and MasterChef this and, you know, you know, like my wife would always say, oh, you should apply for that. You can you can make up a few things. Brian, mate, you're, Brian, you're still young, mate. You could do all these things. Maybe maybe you could, for a hobby or a bit of, if you've got a bit of extra time, maybe you can do a few cooking. I would just eat my way through it all and I would be... <laughs> In times of the size that I am, I'm, I'm struggling now at my age, so I'm eating more food. But yeah, I, I think probably a, a chef looking, you know, back, it kind of something changed my mind. But actually, now it's become so popular, um, it's great. But hey, <laughs> yeah. who knows? Who knows? So, if you've got one piece of advice, Brian, for your 16 year old self, what would it be? Um, don't lie, stick in, and um. <laughs> and, <laughs> Why about your guidance teacher that you did something that you were there, but certainly stick in. Um, and I wish that I could have done better educationally because it's one of those things when you're 16, it doesn't really kind of apply. But I think if I had stuck in at school, I wouldn't have had to do other sort of studies later on. Um, and it's one of those things when you're an adult, I wish I did that and I wish I stuck in more, but you just don't do it when you're 16. So hey, I would tell Brian, myself to stick in. You're talking to the girl that went back to university at 28. You're talking oh, like, you yeah. know, you, you're, you're in good company here. Don't talk to us about education. Are. Fly me. Cracky. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, don't tell anyone, Brian. I, I've got four books and I, I still can't read. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anything's anything's possible, mate. Absolutely, the back page first, and then work out the rest. Why do you think hey. I haven't done a, a, a have, Why do you think I haven't read my book online to, on YouTube yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what you should do? You should actually make a movie, so people like me can watch, read the back page, watch your movie, and I can tell you all about that. There book. you go. 
There yeah. you go, mate. There you go. Exactly, exactly. One thing I think we should talk about, Maxie, before you go to the last question. Yep. Um, RLSS UK. Now you are patron of uh, a patron of RLSS UK. Um, tell us what that role, because obviously Maxie has done some work as a rookie lifeguard ambassador, and I think that is a brilliant program. Yeah. So um, how is RLSS? How have you travelled through? The pandemic because I think we'd be we've got so many um friends through the branches and spread all over the UK I think it'd be really nice for you to just say um you know how everyone's traveling at um RLSS yeah. and, and where you're at yeah it's you know it's as a trustee and a board member of the Royal Life Savings Act UK it's it's I'm not gonna lie it's been the most difficult year um for the Royal Life Savings Act UK anyway our income our, most of our income is based on um, courses that we deliver in our swimming pools, like the Pool Lifeguard Programme. And when all our pools close, that's our income, you know, completely yeah. stopped. So um, the the board and the, you know, our kind of senior leadership team with the Royal ICM Society really had to knuckle down. And, and even at that time, there was a lot of changes within the management structure just before the lockdown. So, I, you know, the hats off to, to the staff that have, you know, that have had to kind of work really hard harder than they've ever worked um, to keep the society running and we're really in a good kind of state of mind. And our volunteers, you've got to, you know, um, take your hat off to them that they are they are as passionate um, as I am about the society and they've been out their way doing what they can and giving those educational messages because that's the most important thing to keep our name out there, to make sure that people understand who we are, we still exist and we're still trying to do our best. And all I've got to say is, you know, watch the space. We've got a lot of things to deliver um, a lot of things we should have delivered, you know, and we should have done really well in, but we're going to move forward. And, and ambassadors like yourself do help, um, you know, to get that cause out because people want to follow people and, and, and people are inspired by you, Maxie. And, and I think you've got to take that. Um, and I think that legacy still sits with many of our members and branches that, you know, can't wait for you to come back. It should have been there written. You know, I can't the wait to back. come back, mate. I can't wait. Yeah. And know, everyone we met. Tough. Everyone we met has kept in touch with us, haven't they, Maxie? From Ireland up through to South Shields, and you know, it's been, it's, you know, they're just awesome, awesome people. Yeah, they're crazy. Well, adding on to that, because they'll be listening, I'm sure. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And adding on to that, before I go to the last question, um, if someone is listening, how can they help or get involved with RLSS? Where can they go? What can they do? And, uh, and what, can they do to help the organisation thrive? Yeah, absolutely. We, we need we need our members, like any organisation, to, to pass on our messages. And we've got, you know, a, a great web page that if people are interested to go to our web page and there's a volunteering opportunity there. Um, even if they're doing something just like kind of, whether that's just basic shaking a can for funds so that we can do more of our campaigns or get involved in our national campaigns. And there's campaigns all over, especially just now, you know, pass that message on about water safety and, and learning some simple skills. And I think that's, the, you know, the thing. We want people um, in the UK and, and Ireland to enjoy water safely. And to do that, they just need to be able to download our materials, get involved that way by sharing those uh, those the online um, things. And also, you know, we encourage people to get on to your, um, you know, Live, Learn and Survive webpage and become a Rescue Squad member because that you know, might just be the, the, the bit that they want to do and, you know, they want to do things further and it could take them on to Rookie Lifeguard, it could take them on to doing other bigger things and become involved in a club. Oh, so there's many opportunities for, for, for loads. 
Definitely. It's like you nailed on the head before. It's been a difficult year for not just people in Australia, not people, just people in the UK, uh, all over the world. So I look forward to hopefully getting through this pandemic uh, as one and we can move forward and we can uh, really do some amazing things uh, in the future. But uh, leading into the last question, can you give us your go-to song for your to live up your mood? What makes you happy? What makes you really you know, empowered and, and just want to fist pump the air. Uh, what song would you recommend oh, wow. for our playlist? Oh, no, it's a bit of a – it changes all the time, but the one, the one that I'm listening to just now is KSI Holiday. KSI Holiday. KSI Holiday. Oh, right. I've written I'm not going to – I'm going to say this quietly, but even from um, a Kylie song, which is really embarrassing, to just now it's um, KSI Holiday. That's the song that I put on the car when I've had a day at work or just yeah. when I've left the gym. It's the first song I put on on my um, Apple Music and it blasts out. Well, Brian, it's been added to the Spotify playlist. Uh, I can't wait to uh, for everyone to hear it and listen yeah. to it and rock out to it. And uh, yeah, so it's thank you. Going in, it's going in. We got some absolute crackers in this playlist, Brian. So you know, yeah. you are now part of the Rescue Squad playlist. Yeah. And and if thank you, like you for that. <laughs> if you are trying to find where the playlist is, uh, it's on Spotify. Maxi's Rescue Squad. If you have a bit of trouble finding it just shoot uh some message on live learn survivor and we'll send you the direct link yeah 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 so thank you so much brian for your time today it's been to it's you. been so great to see you it's and, been um, great brian you're you're a good looking rooster mate you you you're, you've done us proud uh <laughs> and it's been it's been honored to have you as our first guest and we can't wait uh for everyone to hear your journey uh as aspiring to become a paramedic and being a great paramedic at best so yeah you. you will have just like you know that'll just give like tips tidbits of advice for so many kids and that's just what this is all about so um you know i say everyone kids anyone under 30 is a kid to me so it's like you know <laughs> team pick one in career change um you know so um yeah just great advice because sometimes people just don't know where to go and that's the whole thing that this is all about so um awesome people like you can um pass on your knowledge that was my pleasure. It was great to see you. Thank you very much indeed. I'm honoured. Thanks, mate. Absolutely. Thanks, All right. mate. Take care and we'll see everyone next time. Bye. See you later. Bye-bye.